0: Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccakron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. And it's great to be here with you guys tonight and see all our. All our family at celebration. So we hope you've had a great time while we were away and anticipating our return. I think both of us are going to bust this week, bubbling up with all the goodness of God. Um, So tonight is our last night of seeing and savoring. How many of you have enjoyed it? I hope you've been reading along in the book. Um, The book and the workbook coincide together and um, you should have gotten a whole lot of revelation and new... um, a new understanding, a new appreciation, a new love for Christ yet again in our walk. Isn't it awesome how he just keeps revealing himself more and more, and and it's like, wait, how could we even know him anymore? And then the next thing, he just explodes in us one more time, and, and we fall in love all over again. It's a beautiful thing. So we've got some um, awesome things coming up for you on Wednesday nights. I will um, wait and let you be surprised, but it's going to be good. I'm actually looking at, um, in the next couple of weeks, starting a new series on prayer. I'm really, really looking forward to that, so we'll see what, um, what God decides. Amen? So we're going to start tonight in Matthew 7, verse 13. And we've been talking about the different diversities of Christ. And um, one of the things that we see in Christianity is the narrow path. um, And that it's difficult, but yet the yoke that's easy. And so in Matthew 7, verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. In Isaiah, it's referred to as the highway of holiness. And in my all-time favorite sermon of all times, in case you wanted to know, if you can go Google it online, is Jonathan Edwards um, called The Highway of Holiness. And it talks about um, this very verse um, and referencing as well in Isaiah and how really the Christian life, that that if we're walking the narrow path and we should begin to have a, a lifestyle that represents the character and the nature of God, we should begin to have a lifestyle that as we read the scripture... We begin to see ourselves in in Christ, and see see ourselves in all of His stories, and His actions, and His way of life. How many of you know it's humbling to even to even say, "Wait, I should see myself when I read about Jesus." But but like Pastor Grace was saying earlier, the more we know Him, the more time we're spent with Him, the more what we're changed into His image, from glory to glory. And that the, the last thing that that Edward says in that sermon is that. That the scriptures should bear witness with our life and, and, and who we are. And how many of you know a lot of Christians that would like to tear out a page or two of the Bible? You know what I mean? And so at some point in our life, you know, um, I use this word a lot and I get in trouble um, in different circles. Mike, it is good to see you. We didn't get to see you right before we left, so it's good to see you, bud. Um, but there's a word that I, I use a lot that I actually love. And it's called submission. And, and a lot of, of Christian women and men like to refer to that as a curse word. And it's been awesome since we've been here. How many people have come up to me, and I won't say any names, I do not look around the room at all. How many people have come up to me and said, oh my gosh, it was like you were speaking right to me. And have learned to love that word, or at least not use it as a curse word and begin to apply it to our lives. And really, that's what our lives as a Christian should be, is that our lifestyle should begin to align and bear witness with the word, not contradict it. And so really, narrow is the way. It's easy. It's easy to go down the way to destruction. It's easy to just try to fit in with the world. And, and, and for us, you know, to, to walk the Christian walk, how I mean, you know we got to fight for it? You know, there's another scripture that says, ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has what? suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. There's one thing I want to be violent about in this life, lifetime, and that is to be violent to pursue the kingdom. That no matter what it takes, no matter what it takes, I want to pursue Christ. No matter what it takes, I don't want to look like the world. I've been there, done that, didn't work too good. I don't know about you. Didn't work too good for me. But I want to pursue it with all that I have. That on that very day when I cross over, he'll know me. I'll know him. I don't even care about him saying, Well done. I just want to look in his eyes. And I want to fall at his feet. And I want to thank him. Narrow is the way. And, and too many times in Christianity, we fall into the, we've said the prayer. We do our Christian ordinances. We go to church. I've done a devotion for 25 years. I've read my Bible through and through three times. In the past five years, I serve and I give. I'm good. But you're just like the mean, ugly person that you're like, why would I want to be nice to you? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what is going on? Narrows the gate, my friend. Narrows the gate and few find it. And I don't want to see, you know, people over the years have said, well, why don't y'all dance? Well, why don't you drink? Well, why don't you? Why? I, as a Christian, I get to drink, and smoke pot, and dance as much as I want to. I don't want to. I found something better. I found something sweeter. I found something more pleasurable, more desiring than any alcoholic beverage I could ever partake of or any weed I could ever smoke. Christ has become enough for me narrows the way I don't want to see how much I can get away with I want to see how much I can look like Christ you know it's funny Is family reunion time um my is my mom's brother it's it, they're the only two um in the family that are still alive and and so it's them with all their kids and we're all married and we all have kids now we all stay in this one house and it's this big party well my mom's brother got born again a long a, a, a Christian party but a big party. Got born again a long time ago, probably if I'm probably 25, 30 years ago. And he, you know, ordained minister and um, you know a church leader's old life. Grew the family up in the church, all that stuff. And I never really understood any of that because I was this party girl, right? And then I'll never forget in the middle of my party girl life, I didn't even know they were coming in town. They show up at my work one day to surprise me. And I'm wearing these go-go boots and this skirt that I don't even know that it counts as a skirt. And this halter top. And I just remember them walking in and I was going, like, even as a sinner, I knew, like, this is bad. I'm embarrassed, right? Well, then they see all of a sudden I'm born again. And we, they live far away. And we all have to, you know, they've got kids and grandkids. And, you know, we're married and, and have, our whole, have our life. And so we don't really get to interact a whole lot throughout the year. This is our one time to interact. But every year it's so funny to watch my Aunt Sue and Uncle Keith watch me. You get what I'm saying? And they watch me in just awe. And, you know, this year my Uncle Keith goes, Now, Heather, do you preach too? <laughs> For about ten years, buddy. You know, and, and so we're talking. How do y'all do that? And, and he, so Zach's like, "What are y'all talking about?" And Uncle you know, Keith, I want to know if she preaches. And he goes, "Does she ever stop?" You know, and, and you know it's precious. And and then I the last night there, we go to tell my aunt Sue bye. We're gonna go back to where we're, our condo down the street and go to bed. And she won't let go of me, and she's just hugging me. And then I realize, oh goodness, she's crying. <laughs> And she's like, I remember when. She says, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. She says, you had a rough go of it for a while. She didn't even know the half of it. She said, but look at what the Lord's done. She says, I love watching your life. Narrows the way. Narrows the way. Like when when people see us. When people begin to look at us, we want them to see Christ. I want my life, whether I'm in the church or out of the church or at the family or whatever, for it to ex—I mean, absolutely illuminate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can remember we were out and about, and um, the waves were really choppy this year, like bad. I didn't want to go out in the water again. And that's really unusual. My, my little niece, who's eight, says, Nanny... I'm her grandmother, Nanny, can you take me on the jet ski? Oh, I'll go later. And then someone else came in, Nanny, can we please go on the jet ski together? And I got convicted. I said, all right, baby girl, let's go. And as we're going and we're riding, really I began to get convicted. And I turned the corner because, you know, I was like being selfish and she just wanted to spend time with me. And I turned the corner and there was the most beautiful landscape with the sun shining and the clouds and the crystal blue sky and the water and the hills of Texas. Nothing, I mean, it's, it's an amazing sight. And I stopped and said, Oh, baby, look, look at this. God painted this just for us. And she said, I know, didn't He? Didn't He? But it's just moments like that, those little moments that you and I begin to not try to be these religious people that, well, this is what I do, check church, check giving, check serve, right? But that we begin to just live a way that, that, that we walk with him and we talk with him and, and we find him in the little things. You know, I could have told her, Nanny's tired, girlfriend. It's my vacation. I ain't taking you nowhere. You know, Really, I could have. But no, I'm so sorry. Let's go. And I'm, you know, riding that thing, and I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being selfish, pompous little jerk. This baby just wanted my love. How oh my and he just starts ministering to me. And then we see him in the clouds. You following me? Narrows the way. We begin to find him in all that we do. Matthew 11:28 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mike, I think this is for you, buddy. When I was praying for you earlier, I felt the Lord just wanted to give you rest. The Lord wants to give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many times in Christianity, you know, and it's a twofold thing. It's One where we've got to be violent with our Christianity. We've got to say, no, no more watching those shows. No, no more listening to that. Nope, no more wearing that. Nope, I'm not going to talk this way or act this way. But the flip side of it is, so often we try to make it so much more than it is. So much more than it is. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. His yoke is easy and his burdens, we can't make it more than what it is. All we've got to do is run to the lover of our souls and rest upon him. Oh my goodness, there's a song I love and Grace, Pastor Grace sings it sometimes. But it's, I just want to lay back on your chest put my head against you and feel your heartbeat. I mean, that's the gist of Christianity. We, there is a rest for our souls. I'll never forget years and years ago in New Orleans, I felt like, oh my gosh, can I do another thing? Can I, can I have one more event or ministry or anything? I'm going to explode. And we had a staff retreat and we were out on this boat and um, we would get the, we always go on boats. And we're out on this boat and I just began to really feel like something's got to burst here. We, we're gonna to have to—it's a staff retreat. We're gonna to have to just talk about this and put it on the table. I mean, we are burnt out. And then we get off the boat, we go back, we have a meeting, and Pastor Frank says, "We need to expand our tents. We need to stretch out those tent pegs. There is—we need to do more. What can you do?" And I thought, "There ain't nothing you can and everybody around, they were all starting to voice opinions, and, and, and their opinions seemed to align with mine. I was sure they were going to back down. We're just going to coast for a little while. And um, pastor just kept going for it. We need to expand our tent pegs. We need to do more. This is, there's a season. And he gave us the scripture um, in the day of his power. The volunteers will be many. And I thought, well, I don't know what power you're talking about, buddy, but I am tired, and ain't nobody else. We got back on the boat. We're going to turn the corner. And I'll never forget the, the weight that was lifted when I began to see Christ in the trees. It was almost like he was waving at me again, saying, hello, sweetheart. Get, I'm getting, my, getting your attention. I'm right here. I've always been in control. It's my ministry. It's my church. It's my people. Hello, Heather. We turned that curve, and as the winds blow, and I saw those branches, that tree waved, I just began to cry and repent. Say, Lord, I am so sorry. And began to find rest for my soul, began to believe in it. I went to that retreat feeling the heaviest, and, and, and there was nothing else I could do. I had done, don't, don't you know all that I've done? And I left there thinking, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. There's so much more. Why? Because we begin to take on the weight of the world, the weight of our family, the weight of our finances, the weight of our jobs. Come on. The weight of our church, the weight of our ministry, the weight of our all these things. And and it's not ours to have. He goes before us and prepares the way that what we might walk in it. I love now when, I, when I'm about to face something because I'm like, you know what? I might be scared, but I know who goes before me. All I got to do is walk behind my daddy. He's already gone, figured it out. It's already a done deal. All we've got to do is find rest in Christ. So it's a twofold thing. I'm going to labor to enter that rest. I'm going to labor. I'm going to fight for Christ. I'm going to fight that I'm not going to, I'm going to choose not to be mad at my spouse today. I'm going to choose to put on worship. I'm going to choose to pray. I'm going to choose to not get irritated with my daughter because she's mommy, mommy, mommy. Okay, let's pray, sweetheart. Peace. (laughs) But what happens in the middle of beginning to pray for her, the Holy Spirit begins to come. The Holy Spirit begins to what? Give me rest, convict me, change me, take me into the place of his presence. And so we want to find in ourselves walking the narrow path, not making it a religion, but finding rest for our souls. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. There are two different descriptions of our life as a Christian, the wrestling part and the rest. We do strive to enter through the narrow door. Life is a war. Fight the good fight. Be aware of it. Wrestle it out. But come to me, you who are weary and rest. Find the like yoke and an easy burden. How can it be both? I love the last last sentence of this um, chapter. So we must fight against everything that inclines us to rest in anything but Jesus. You see, one of the things that I like to do when I get home, at the end of the day, Zoe's going to bed, I want to sit on the couch with a huge glass of water, and I want to watch TV, and I don't want to think about anything. That's like my, because if I'm just sitting there, if I'm cleaning, if I'm doing stuff, I'm thinking, you know, about all the things of the day, what's coming up tomorrow, you know, and I'm planning. And I just want to get out of that. I want to rest, and I go to the TV. But guess what happens if you go to the TV? Because everything's DVR these days. An hour two hours and so I got to watch myself because all of a sudden I'll find myself going way past the Heather's awake stage as my husband 10.01 I shift 10.02 I'm ready for bed so if I'm watching TV till 10:30, 30 11 what's happening to our relationship with the Lord right I've got to wrestle that thing it's the thing that gives me rest right it helps me unwind for the day but it's also the thing that keeps me from Christ so I've got to wrestle it down and not let it take control of me. What is it in your life that you've got to wrestle? Because it fights for your time. It fights for your attention. It fights for your affection for Christ. Matthew 18:1 says, At the time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as his little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I think that's a lot of church people some days saying, Hey, who's the greatest around here? You know what I'm saying? That's basically what the disciples were saying. Hey, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest with you, Jesus? And he just says, hey, come see little child. Come see little baby. And so oftentimes that's why I, I just like to get around new believers, people that, you know, just want to be hungry. I don't, I don't know nothing. I don't, I don't know nothing. And I want to know something. So, so often we get hung up on all the things that we've all known and done through the years. And I love sitting with people that have been in Christianity, have been in church, been with the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and are still as hungry as they were that first year that are still as teachable as that first year, that are still as hungry as that first year because they're still willing to learn. They're still willing that there's more. Those are the people that I want to emulate because I know I'm never going to arrive until that day, that day on the other side with him. And so we need to become like little children that are just willing to learn, that want to explore and navigate through life with Christ and and learn and expand and metamorphosize all of our days. C says 1 Corinthians 9:24, Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats in the air, but I discipline my body, D, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Look, I am an athlete. I'm a runner. I am obnoxious. Ask my husband. Growing up, even, even at 13, 14, 15 years of age, I was in the gym every summer. There wasn't a, a week in a summer after eighth grade that I was home. Every week I was in a camp. Every week I was training. Before school, I was in the gym. After school, I was in the gym. After practice, I was still in the gym. Then on the way home, my dad would drop me off at a park three miles from home and, and follow me home while I ran in case I didn't make it because, you know, just in case, you know, didn't do a couple hours. It was always obnoxious. But it was always for the purpose of winning, always for the purpose of pushing my body past its physical limitations that I could do more, right? That I would be able to beat whoever my opponent was. How much more do you and I have to discipline our spiritual bodies, discipline ourselves to the point that we know, you and I know our temptations, you and I know what sets us off. We've got to run in such a way that we know when we get to the other side, it's well done. Look, I have seen I have seen people suffer cancer and die. I've seen people unfortunately go in you know, split weird ways. And I've watched as men and women of the faith who've walked with the Lord for decades and decades go to enter their rest. And one is peaceable. Enters in worshiping, knows it's her last hours, prophesies over, over family, prophesies over her pastors. And I've watched others crawfish back, scared to death, because they're not ready. Because they're not ready. I don't know about you, but I want to live in such a way that I'm not fearful of life or death. I'm not ready to go to the other side, but I know that if I go, I'm ready. I'm ready. You and I are to train in this life in such a way that we are ready to walk through whatever pathway comes. That whether whether I'm in abundance or I'm lacking, it's well with my soul. Train in such a way to obtain the prize. You know, one of the hardest things I had to do was tell a friend of mine, 38 years old, yep, you're dying and you probably won't make it through today. Never forget that. We, the family just, they, she had, had cancer for 10 months, and that was never an option. Even going into hospice, she was going to be healed, and they, they never talked about it as a family. And I'll never forget that, that day and having to tell her that, and our senior pastors were all out of town, and it's like, whoop, you're up. <laughs> what do you mean I'm up? And I'll never forget having to tell her, you're going to pass. But, oh, my, you've taught me well. But you're my pastor. No, sweetie. You've taught me well. And now you're going to teach me how to walk and walk through to the other side. You fought the good fight. You've won the race. You have earned your crown. Now walk me through to the other side. Show me how it's done. Show your family how it's done. Heavy. Heavy. First Timothy six twelve says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession. Second Timothy 2, 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes. How? According to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first partake of the crops. What all is this saying? If you're training for a race, if you're training for, for the race, if you're training for a triathlon or you're training for a marathon or, or anything that's coming up, you're not going to let the weather bother you. I've got a friend in Houston who, rain or shine, she's trained for her first marathon, was quite humorous because she'd be on a 13, 16-mile run and have been storming for three or four days. But you're not going to stop someone training Because she's got a prize. She knows the day's coming. She knows regardless, I've got to be prepared for that day because I'm going to finish. One way or another, you might drag me over the finish line, but I'm going to finish. It's the same thing with our Christianity. Oh, but I didn't know this was going to happen. I'll never forget the day before Zach was ever a thought, before probably New Orleans was ever a thought for him. I'm in worship one day, and the Lord begins to speak to me about my calling. And he showed me that it was me with my husband hand in hand no i didn't have a face or a name and then we had the fire of god in our bellies the breath of god in our mouths and he told me that we were called to awaken the dead within the american church and i was like "Woohoo!" and then i thought wow because in that moment he began to show me the life that we would live in other words i would always be between a rock and a hard place Because if we were going to be used as an instrument of the kingdom of God to awaken the dead in American churches, we were going to have to live a life of no compromise. We were going to have to live a life that emulated the salt and the light of the earth, that emulated his beauty and his character and his fire and his passion. And I thought, oh, well, there goes the good little pat Christian life. It's time to endure hardship. That doesn't mean it's a bad, it's ugly, I wouldn't have it any other way. But I fight to enter, and then I rest in it. I love watching Pastor Grace's face as we go through life here, and she's like, how do you do that? Example, you know, we're working, get the phone call, but they think my dad has a heart attack. I remember this, this was months ago. And I'm going through it, and I'm like, hey, I'm not supposed to have a meeting. Can I have about half an hour? Just give me half an hour. I'm going through it with my mom on the phone, my sister on the phone. We're going through it. <clears throat> trying to figure out what's happening. Is, do I need to get on the plane tomorrow? Do I need to get on a plane right now? No, it's okay. All right, love you. Okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to pray. Oh, I'm going to cry for a second. Okay, no more crying. Let's pray again. Okay, I'm going to walk through and go to my meeting. And she's like, how are you doing this? you need to go home? No. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven needs to still get taken care of business. There's things around here that still need to get taken care of business. And right now, that's not the pressing matter. He's alive. He's okay. What is me sitting there twiddling my thumbs worrying about it going to do? When that stuff starts happening, I'm like, Oh, yeah, devil, what are you trying to prevent, buddy? Because I got work to do for the kingdom. We endure hardships as a good soldier. Nothing stops. Faith is something that we must must be fought for. It is to thrive if it is to thrive and survive. This is how we take hold of eternal life, by fighting to maintain faith with the joy in Christ. On that The church would waken to the warfare we are in and feel the urgency of the fight for joy. This is how we hold fast to eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life. Faith has in it the taste of joy in the glory of Christ. Therefore, fight the good fight of faith is the fight for joy. Fighting for our faith is fighting for our pleasure, our happiness, and our joy. The dangers of following Christ. Let's do B. Luke 21 and verse 12 says, Before all these things they will lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom with which... All your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed. You will be betrayed. Even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. Luke 9:23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself destroyed or lost? You know, we oftentimes think that in Christianity our life should be blissful and we should just frolic upon the days but look, we live in a real world. You and I are going to be let down. We will be betrayed. The people that you think you're, we're walking with, we, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, we think in the church world, every Christian is perfect. Oftentimes, it's the church that lets us down the most. And we just have to begin, you know, to, to, to just make our stand for Christ and love regardless. The expectations, you know, that I have of you and that really you should have of me is that you will let me down, and I'm going to let you down. I'm so sorry. I will try not to, but I know I'm not perfect, and when I'm not, I'll repent. But we have to begin to understand that and begin to look outside of us and outside in our circles and realize we are going to be persecuted. We are going to be looked at as that weird one. Whether it's in the church you're going to be looked at as the weird one Or out of church, at work, at family, in the groceries. But you know what? I don't mind being looked at as a weird one. Because one, I know who I stand for. And two, guess who they call in a time of trouble. You know, someone said, you enjoy your vacation, you enjoy being off. And I just kind of laughed. I didn't say this at the time. I don't remember what Zach's response was. But within 24 hours of getting to the lake, in less than 24 hours, we had two people get in touch with me. Both were suicidal. So we both turn on. One was a guy. Zach had to go for it. I hadn't seen this guy since 2005. And the other one was a female, so I took it on. You know what? I can get laughed at and mocked all day long. But when you're hurting, I know who you're going to call. Why? Because I've stood, I've fought for my faith in love. And that's what these people are attracted to. Drop your expectations of those around you because it'll, all it will do is hurt. Drop your expectations and expect to be hurt. Expect to be persecuted, but walk in love and grace when it happens. Why? Because he's going to be glorified in it. He will be glorified. And then we fear not, Matthew 10:24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is not enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the household of Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known." so many times we just want we see sin in people's lives we see stuff and we just want to blab to the world if you knew hey in due time it will all come out it'll all come out what are they going to do to you nothing god knows remember we study this jesus knows all there's nothing that surprises him whatever i tell you in the dark speak in the light and what you hear in the ear preach on the housetops we have got to get the wax out of our ears and we have got to open our mouths and begin to share the gospel we have got to stop being so timid as to not offend anyone that we never even let people know we're in love with him do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul some of us need to write this scripture Matthew 10 28 on an index card and put it all over our houses. Because fear of people paralyzes too many Christians when they can't kill your soul. They can't touch that part of you. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to both destroy both the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You know, there's this horrible sad story back in Louisiana in this town called Opelousas, quite close to where I grew up. And this 17-year-old girl, the youngest of four children, went to a Catholic school, um, was born again, um, was a a leader in their ministry at their church, as well as the school, and the cheerleading squad. School was out, but she was going to cheerleading practice because they were about to leave for camp. There's been bad weather down south. How many of you know that? She went to camp, made it home, was driving up in her driveway, 17 years old, and the storm knocked over a tree. The tree fell on her car, and she's gone. Horribly sad story, but as I read it, I couldn't help but be reminded of that prophet Dick Mills' old saying, you can't shoot a man that was born to hang. Her appointed day had come, I pray for that family. But at the same time, God, no no one can touch you or I that God doesn't allow it. His His hand was upon her. She went in a moment of a time with no suffering. She knew him. She loved him. She's with him. We can't fear man. You and I have our appointed day. God goes before us in all our ways and prepares us. Prepares that way for us. We've got to stop living and walking in fear. The world should not paralyze Christians. Christians should take the world by force. I'll never forget. As a young believer, I was living in Lafayette. It wasn't God's will, but this guy was trying to pursue me, and um, he really thought we were going to get married. And I'll never forget. After about two months, he said, "You know, I think we should just do the friend thing." And I'm like, "Yeah, think." And he said, Yeah, he said, you're one of those people, he said, that you just want to take the world and ride it, like for everything that it has. And I'm like, Well, yeah, he came to give us abundant life. He's like, Yeah, I just want to watch people like you live it. And that's scary. As a believer, Jesus said, What? I've come to give you life and life abundant. And so what is it God's calling you to? What is it he's been speaking to you? We've been spending six weeks getting to know Jesus in a whole new way all over again. And I can't help but believe that God's been speaking the sweet mysteries of heaven to you. That just like my little niece said, nanny, nanny, can you take me on the jet ski? And I was like, no, get somebody else to. And the Holy Spirit came. Oh, no, I believe he's been doing the same thing to you. In your everyday life, what is it he's speaking? What is it that's paralyzed you? Has it been family members? You know, I'm believing. I've got family members that are unsaved, and I am believing with all that's within me that they get born again. Do I sit there and preach the word at them and quote scriptures all day long? No, but ask my husband, why do you think he told my uncle? She never stops preaching. Because every day, any of you ever read John Bunyan? If you read his books, he doesn't quote one scripture. But it was said of him, if you pricked him, he would bleed Bible. That is how much the scripture, the word of God was in him and flowed out of him. Read Pilgrim's Progress and see if it's not laced with the word of God, laced with the love of God. That's what I want my life to be. That's what every believer's life should be. Go back to the last page. For the presence of the King, Matthew 28, 18, says that Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, we've gone over this scripture a lot, and there's a lot in discipleship. There's a lot in the Great Commission. But we, we want to look at right here, right now, as he says, And lo, I am with you always. The presence of the king is always here. He is everywhere at all times. He is living within you and I. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you and I as believers. We have access into the king of kings, to his throne room every day. He's with you always. There's nothing you and I have to fear. There's nothing you and I have to strive for but to live with him, to enter that rest. If you and I find ourselves struggling, I urge you, talk to your section pastor. You don't want to talk to them. You're not not comfortable with it. Come talk to myself. Come talk to pastor. Come talk to somebody to help shake you loose of trying to control things. That is the most obnoxious, silliest, stupidest thing we can do as Christians. But all of us, all of us find ourselves doing it. At some point in our walk, we find our identity in in, in worship. We find our identity in passing a plate. We find our identity in opening a door, teaching a class. Oh, we find our identity in holding the mic. We strive to enter his rest. We strive to enter his rest. We strive to enter his rest. To become like little children sitting at his feet. Daddy God, I just want to be with you. Why do we lay hands? He says it all the time. He lays hands for his benefit. Because when he begins to lay hands, he gets filled to the uttermost. How many times? We see people, they're standing there. We'll see if this works. Hey, if you don't want to receive, that's fine. I get this backsplash. Why do I want to greet people, open doors, lead worship, teach a class? Because I want to get a hold of Him. I'm standing there in worship, going, "Oh, it's so nice to be home." And then I'm thinking, "Okay." And then tomorrow I got to prepare for Bethesda. I got to teach three hours. Oh, I start my women's Bible study. Oh, I'm the thing on prayer. I'm like, "Oh, you better back up, sister. You got all these meetings." And I'm like, "I ain't backing up." You know how full of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God I'm going to be by doing all that? Oh, yeah. I'm going to strive to enter that rest. I'm going to do it all. And I'm not going to strive over it. I'm going to do it because he's pushing me one more time into a season that I get to frolic on the daisies. Well, I teach day after day, hour after hour, week after week. Why? So I can love him more. Not so I can say, look at all I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing for the kingdom. What about you? Oh, uh-uh. I'm going to get my Jesus time. How about you? How about you? How about you? Can we just become like little children? Seeing daddy, daddy, what do I get to do? Zoe gets so mad if I go put her clothes in the clothes hamper. She gets so mad if I don't, if I don't let her vacuum. Even when I got to pick up the beans up the, up from her, when she's eating, she's got to sweep them up for me. When did it begin to be like, that's my job? No, no, no. She just wants to help. She just wants to help. We've got to become like little children to Daddy God. Saying, what do I get to do to know you today? What do I get to do to know you today? I want to know you as I beat the drum. I want to know you as I string the guitar. I want to know you as I vacuum the floor. I just want you, Jesus. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccakron.org or call us at 330 762 7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android Store. With my father, it's so hard.